It is good to be in God's house today, isn't it? Amen. To worship Him, to give Him praise and thanksgiving, to sing, to pray, uh, to be reminded of His grace as it uh, is exemplified in this communion meal. It's also good to be here in God's house to hear His Word. And, and today we begin a, a new series of messages, a, a series of messages from the book of Proverbs that we're calling Living Wisely, Life Lessons from Proverbs. And as we begin this morning, I, I brought with me here a, a book. Anybody recognize this kind of a book? Yeah, a few of you are laughing. You, you recognize it. Uh, this is a book that is from the uh, Dummy series. And uh, maybe some of you have been in bookstores and you've seen whole sections of books uh, from the Dummy series. And uh, uh, they're an amazing series, and, and they've been out for a number of years, and Millions of people across our country have purchased hundreds of the books, uh, the variety of books that are, are available in this series. Uh, in fact, a number of years ago, I bought one of these books. It was called Windows 95 for Dummies. And, uh, and I'm glad I had it because my kids will tell you I'm a technological Neanderthal. And, and uh, so that book came in handy when I got my first computer and began to learn how to use computers. And there are books like Bird Watching for Dummies and Fishing for Dummies and Gardening for Dummies and this one that Lisa Beery gave me. It's called Rabbits for Dummies. Lisa uh, raises rabbits. And uh, so she had this book and she let me uh, loan it, uh, she loaned it to me today so I could use it as an example. Uh, and in fact, uh, there's even one that I understand that's selling a lot. It's called Law for Dummies. And, uh, and I understand that all kinds of attorneys are even picking that one up and... Uh, uh, Oh, those of you that are lawyers here, don't worry, I'm just joking, and, and you can get back at me sometime. You know, I'm sure you have lots of pastor jokes that you can tell on me. But, but these books are popular, aren't they? And, and there's a reason for that, and, and the reason for that is, as one satisfied customer explained, he, he said, I buy them because whenever the su whatever the subject matter is, they spell it out to me in simple terms. They make the complex understandable. They take the intimidation out of the learning process. And he ended his remarks by saying, even a regular guy like me can get it. Well, I bring this up this morning because we're entering into this series on the book of Proverbs. And, and over the next 13 weeks, we're going to be studying from this book that could really quite easily be part of, of what we might call this dummy series of books. As, as the book of Proverbs takes the ageless and the priceless wisdom of God and, he, and it makes it understandable. It, it makes it accessible to regular people like you and me. And in fact, no one needs a seminary degree uh, in order to understand Proverbs. There are very few confusing theological terms in this book, uh, just pertinent truths for you and me to be able to easily understand for our everyday life. For example, Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, If you're too lazy to plow in the right season, you'll have no food at harvest. I mean, you know, anybody have any questions about what that's saying? Uh, or Proverbs 11:1, 1, The Lord hates cheating, but He delights in honesty. I, I mean, what part of that is it that it, you and I could not understand? And yet, while the Proverbs can be simple, they can also be deep. Proverbs 11:17 says, Your own soul is nourished when you're kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. You know, most of us as we go through life would love to spread random acts of kindness because the world needs it. 
But what the Proverbs is saying here is let's take a a deeper look at this. It's encouraging us to do that because it says that, that our own soul gets nourished. Something good happens inside of us when you and I do things that are kind. But then it also says when we're not kind, something dies within us. It says our soul shrinks. And and that should make us think a bit, shouldn't it, about how we live our life. Now, now as we can see, this is a book of the Bible that doesn't mince any words. It's pretty practical. It's plain speaking. It's straightforward. We're going to see over these next weeks that it's even colorful and graphic and, and humorous and And I'm hoping that through the next 13 weeks of this series that you and I are going to really develop an appreciation for this book that's going to last a lifetime. And my hope also is is that you and I, over these next few months, will take the book of Proverbs and read through it. Uh, Read uh, read a chapter of Proverbs. Read some of the Proverbs here and there each day. uh, and, And read through the entire book this summer. And be a part of the message series that we're going to be doing here on Sunday mornings throughout the summer. Now, having said this, uh, let's jump into our first message on Proverbs. And, and the message is about pursuing wisdom. And, you know, I think that's a great way to start this series because the book of Proverbs is all about us pursuing wisdom. In fact, uh, attaining wisdom is, is really the dominant theme in the whole book. And so let's begin this morning, and if you have your message notes and you want to follow along as we go through this, uh, let's begin by looking at the benefits of attaining wisdom. As the first big idea that, that Proverbs tells us about wisdom is that the payoff for acquiring wisdom is huge. The writer of Proverbs says to us that if you and I will arrange our life around becoming a wise person, the payoff of that will exceed anything beyond our wildest imagination. I mean, let's look, for example, at what Proverbs says about this in our scripture reading this morning from Proverbs chapter 3. And if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, you can open to Proverbs 3 or you can follow along on the screen behind me. But here the writer of Proverbs says this about attaining wisdom, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 3. Blessed is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you a long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth and the dew settles beneath the night sky. My child, don't lose sight of sound judgment and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They will keep you safe on your way and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear you will lie down and sleep soundly. What the writer of Proverbs is saying here is that attaining wisdom is better than attaining a whole fortune. Attaining wisdom, he's saying, is better than getting a lot of gold and silver and precious gems. Why? Because he says that if we become wise people and we live according to the principles of God's word here in Proverbs, then then that kind of wisdom is going to tend to produce, he says, a long life and honor and esteem. 
And, and it may even produce wealth. And it will also very definitely produce peace in our life. He's saying that wisdom is a good thing to have. Well, as we think about that this morning, I, I encourage us to think about the lives of people around us who we know, who, who are wise people. For example, uh, think about people you know today who are wise dads. Dads who conduct their lives wisely and who raise their children wisely. Uh, do you know any dads who, who know when it's time to admonish or when it's time to encourage? When it's time to come alongside a child tenderly or when it's time to come alongside them and correct forcefully? Do you know dads who, who know when it's time to counsel or when it's time to listen? Or who, when it's time to teach, or when it's time to let the consequences of life be the teacher? Do you know any dads like that? And if you do, what's the value of that? I, I mean, that is worth a ton, isn't it? I, I, I know some guys uh, for whom life isn't working very well today, and and, and, and as I talk with them, I find out that, that it's not sometimes because they aren't smart. It's not that they're not trying very hard. But, but for some guys, it's because they were raised in the home with a foolish dad. And their dad did things to them to damage and to hurt and to wound their soul. And their dad made, dad made life really hard on them early on. And it's impacted them and it affected them throughout their lives. But then we could spin it around, couldn't we? And say, hey, do you know any dads who, who, uh, uh, who any guys who are doing really well and, 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 and who were raised in homes with good dads and, and dads who were wise and who treated them wisely? I mean, I know guys like this. And, and when I talk with them and I ask them what the common denominator was, they say, hey, I was raised in a solid, loving home with a wise dad who loved me and raised me. And so I say, hey, what's that worth? What's that worth? Proverbs 17.6 says the glory of sons or the glory of children is their father. And, and what that's saying is that when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, children benefit for a lifetime when they've grown up under the influence of a wise dad. It is worth a ton. You know, my dad wasn't a wealthy man. My dad wasn't a guy who uh, made lots of money throughout his life. And, and he wasn't even a guy who was perfect. Okay, but, but he was a wise man in so many ways. And I got to tell you, he has left me and he's left a lot of the people who he taught through the years a, a legacy of wisdom and how to live wisely in the choices that we make. And if you were to ask me today what I would have rather have had from my dad, money or wisdom from him, I got to say to you, that is a no-brainer to me. A no-brainer. And, and the same can be said for children who are raised by wise mothers as well, right? I, I mean, go home today and look at Proverbs chapter 31 and, and see what it says there about wise moms. And, and read particularly verses 28 through 29, that, that classic text that says if a wife and a mom conducts herself wisely, the result is going to be that her children will rise up and call her blessed. And the proverb says that her husband will say, many women have done nobly, but you excel them all. So what's the value of parental wisdom? Ask any children today who've grown up with wise parents and they'll tell you, at least after they've grown up anyway, they'll tell you, it's better than gold. It's better than gold. Now, now turn around is fair play, isn't it? And, and so let's ask us as parents, how much, 
value we would attach to raising up children who eventually walk in paths of wisdom. I mean, I know as a dad, I mean, nothing beats that. I, I got to tell you, long ago, I settled in my own mind that, that I don't care how popular my kids are or how well-known they are or how wealthy they are, or what kind of houses they live in. But what does matter to me? What does matter to me is is that they walk in God's wisdom, that they understand God's ways and that they pursue that for the way they live their life and the way they relate to people and the choices they make. That's the whole ballgame to me. And and look at what Proverbs 15.20 says about that. It says, The wise son makes his father glad. Or as another version says, Wise children make their parents glad. So important for us as parents, isn't it, to, to have children who walk wisely and live wisely. Well, let's switch gears now for a moment and press the same point when it comes to our work. Do you know people in the marketplace who you rub shoulders with and work with, who, who work wisely? And, and I know we've got a church with a lot of people here who work wisely in the marketplace. And, and if you do, do you know people around you who are also diligent and, and skillful and consistent and, and conscientious in the marketplace? Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, Do you see a man? Do you see a person skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before obscure men. And what this proverb is saying is that generally people who work skillfully, who work wisely over a long period of time, are, are going to find that they're going to be highly esteemed by others and they're going to be rewarded. I mean, think about it. We all know people in our world, don't we, that... that don't necessarily have the most dazzling talent. They don't have the greatest credentials. Maybe they don't even have the most charismatic personality. But nonetheless, they have risen to places of strategic importance in the marketplace or, or in academia or in government or in the life of the church. And they've gotten themselves there essentially because over a long period of time, they handled themselves wisely. Nothing really special about them. They just lived wisely. And the Bible says they're rewarded accordingly. A while ago, I, I, I heard about a businessman whose business was beginning to take off and, and, uh, and he couldn't hire salespeople fast enough to take the orders in that were, were coming into his company. And, and, and one day he happened to go to lunch with his pastor and, and he said to his pastor, you know, I, I get these new salespeople in and I got to tell you, they just act, I mean, they act weird, okay? And, uh, and the pastor says, well, what do you mean by weird? He says, well, they shoot themselves in the foot. Pastor asked him, what would you like them to do? He said, well, if they would just show up on time, if they would just call the people they're supposed to call, if, if they would charge people what they're supposed to charge them, uh, treat people the way that people should be treated, admit their mistakes when they make them, and learn from their mistakes, uh, they could earn a good living. They could have a great career in this company. What was he saying? He was saying, I I just wish some of the employees in my company would act wisely. That they would work wisely. Friends, what, what would happen tomorrow to the world economy if everyone simply went to work and worked wisely? I bet it would change everything, wouldn't it? It would change a lot, certainly, of what goes on in the workplace. Some of the bad decisions, the folly, the politicking. Uh, the, the, you know, the self-promotion. I think a lot of good would happen to our world economy if people simply went to work and worked wisely. 
Certainly the writer of Proverbs says it would be better than gold. It would be better than gold. Well, the writer of Proverbs in talking about attaining and pursuing wisdom says that wisdom pays dividends beyond our imagination when it comes to all kinds of areas in our life. And and through this summer, we're going to see a number of those areas that Proverbs speaks about. And, And we're going to see why it is that the Proverbs say, attain wisdom, set your heart on it, go after it, pursue it, become wise, because it is better than gold. But we're also going to see that the Proverbs talks about as well the the consequences of neglecting wisdom. Uh, and, uh, and so this morning in this first message, as we kick off this series, let's think about this for a moment. And, and as we do, I got to say to you, fasten your seatbelt, uh, because this book does not mince any words when it comes to this pro- subject. Uh, in fact, uh, Proverbs refers to the lack of wisdom by using a word and that word is folly or foolishness. And I got to admit to you, sometimes when I read Proverbs, it, it stings me. I mean, I'll be reading a proverb and it'll say, hey, uh, you know, the wise person takes this path. And, and then it'll contrast that path and it'll say the foolish person takes that path. And, you know, I'll, I'll go, ooh, ouch. Why is it that I do that? Because I've taken that foolish path maybe more than once. And I don't want to think of myself as being folly prone, but but you know, sometimes I am. And if you're honest with yourself, sometimes you are too. We all are as human beings. And so we've got to, we've got to get confronted once in a while, don't we, by, by the truth. Sometimes there's that harsh reality of the truth that, that has to stare us in the face before we wake up to what it is that we're doing. Let's ratchet this up a notch or two and look a little further into this as we see that Proverbs 22, verse 15 says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. The contemporary English version says all children are foolish, but firm correction will make them change. We understand what this is saying. What this verse is telling you and me today is that you and I are not born uh, with a blank slate, so to speak, waiting to see how our environment is going to cause us to decide if we're going to head down the wise path or if we're going to head down a foolish path. What this Proverbs is saying is that all of us, all of us as human beings are born with a case of the follies. We are all born with a human nature that has its bent that leans toward foolishness. And the writer of Proverbs was going to say, as we're going to see over this summer, that that step by step, month by month, year by year, this foolish nature, this foolishness within us, this bent for the follies has got to be replaced by God's wisdom if we want to make our life work well and not make a mess of our life. I mean, think about it. Let's use the example this morning of a baby. I mean, really, all a baby knows how to do is to act on its impulses, right? I mean, it feels an impulse, and what does it do? It tries to gratify it right away. You put a baby down in a sandbox, uh, and and you sit there, and you're not watching it for a few moments. When that baby experiences a hunger pang, what's the first thing that happens? I mean, sand for lunch, right? Grabs a fistful of sand, puts it in their mouth. Same thing if they're out in the grass and and they feel a hunger pang coming on. Grass for lunch. And then the parents and the child deal with the consequences of that. Those of you who work with the two and the three-year-olds or maybe even a little older than that, what happens when they're 
running around uh, either the house or the church and, and maybe an older brother or sister has a toy in their hand that that little one wants. What's the first thing they do, right? Grab it from them and try to wrestle it away from them. It's called impulse gratification. And here's what the Bible says about impulse gratification. It's sobering, but it's true. The Bible says that you, you and I have got to grow out of this impulse gratification pattern that's a part of our life. If we want to become wise people and walk wisely, we've got to grow out of our infant-like falliness and become mature people who, who grow into a desire to take the right path. Because if we don't, life is just not going to go very well for us. In his book, uh, Making Life Work, and, uh, and this is a book that... Uh, we as pastors are going to be using for a lot of the resources for what we're going to say on Sunday mornings. But, but in his book, Making Life Work, Bill Hybels tells a story about a guy who he met one day when he was doing some international traveling. They were at an international airport and they had a long layover, a long wait, and some of the flights were being delayed. And, and, and they were on the same plane coming back to the United States together. And, and so they were sitting together there at the airport waiting and they struck up a conversation. And in the midst of the conversation, Bill found out that this guy had a lot of anger toward God and he blamed God for a lot of the difficult stuff that he'd gone through in his life. And, and they had a lot of time together. And so Bill said to him, well, well, tell me your story. And the guy poured out his life saga. When the guy was through complaining and in, indicting God for what had happened to his life, Bill said, wow, that, that's quite a story. Would it be okay if I asked you a couple questions? And the guy said, sure. Bill said, you, you say that your former wife became a horrible person and really did some bad stuff to you, but, but let me ask you a question. Before she turned into that horrible person, did you treat her well? Were you good to her? Did you love her and, and truly care for her heart? Were you faithful to her? Or, or did you do some stupid things that might have added just a, a little bit to the demise of the relationship. Well, the guy said, you know, in fact, he, he admitted that he had done more than his share of stupid things. Then Bill said, I, I think you said that you had a, a debt backed up. And in fact, you said you owed the government thousands of dollars of a tax debt that you haven't paid off yet. Uh, just a question here. Did you ever let your spending get out of hand? Did you ever spend more than you earned? Did you ever buy something on impulse and foolishly? Well, the guy said, yeah, he, he admitted in fact he had. And, and then Bill said, you're frustrated because no one will give you the job that you really want. But, but just a question here. In your past, have you been a model employee? I, I mean, if I were to call your last places of employment, the last couple of places, uh, would they be upset because you're no longer working for them, that they had lost someone who worked as well as you? Well, the guy admitted, yeah, the last job he had, he lost because he lost his temper a few times. And in fact, he, on his last day at the job, told his boss where to go, uh, eternally speaking, not just down the hall, so to speak. And Bill said to him, you know, I I'm a pastor. And that obviously shocked the guy. It usually does when we pastors have these kinds of conversations with people in airports. Uh, and he says, I'm a pastor, and, and i got to tell you, I don't think that God has somehow singled you out for some kind of 
special suffering duty. I don't think that it's really fair to blame him for a lot of the stuff that you're blaming him because God says in his word that if you sow folly, you will reap heartbreak. And it just seems to me that you've sown enough folly that what you're getting in return really could have been predicted biblically. And Bill went on then to share a relationship with Jesus Christ and how it could change his life. And he encouraged the guy to enroll in a school of wisdom that day. You know, some of you are here this morning and it's not by accident that you're here. God has ordained it and planned it. In fact, after the last couple services, I've had people come up to me and say, I needed this message. Uh, I had one guy come up to me and say, I think I've hurt myself and others enough and, and, and I've damaged enough relationships and I've squandered enough time and money. And I'll have people come to me at times and say, I've shed enough tears and I've drifted far enough away from God's path to say enough folly, enough. I've had my fill. It is white flag surrender time. And maybe some of you are here today and you, like me, look back on your life and you realize the mistakes you made. And you're saying, hey, I don't want to pay the consequences anymore of those mistakes. And maybe you're one who's here today that's saying, I'm, I'm tired of my life not working. And if you are, I want to say to you, today is a great day for you because today is the opportunity to enroll in the school of wisdom. Because over these next 13 weeks, we're going to be participating together in a school of wisdom. And there are no prerequisites for being a part of this school, just a desire to want to. You're in a perfect position. I'm in a perfect position today to enroll in a school of wisdom starting right now. And so in the next few minutes that we have remaining, I want us to look at what the book of Proverbs says about enrolling in that school of wisdom and how to enroll in that school and how to become a wise person. And, and, and Proverbs tells us that, that if you and I want to become wise people, it all begins with this. It begins with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's another word that Proverbs uses for wisdom. And, and when the writer uses this phrase, he's not saying that you and I are to be this deathly afraid of God. But what he's saying here is that we are to have such a loving reverence and awe for God that it leads us to submitting to His Lordship and His leadership in our life. In the message paraphrase of the Bible, Eugene Peterson, I believe, really captures what this verse is saying when he writes, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. What the writer of Proverbs is saying, hey, do we want to become wise in the living of our life? Do, do we want to make good and godly choices that result in having things in our life and, uh, that, that are even way better than having all the gold in the world? Then, then start by realizing that there is a God who is a powerful and a personal God. And He, as we celebrated this morning at this table, is head over heels in love with you and me. And He wants to invite us into a relationship with Him through our forgiveness of sin that comes to us through His grace and by faith. And He is saying to us through Jesus, His Son, come and take my hand. Put your hand in mine as I extend to you forgiveness of your sin. 
and come and invite me into your life and let me then, after I become your Savior and you trust me in faith for forgiveness and salvation, let me then be the Lord of your life. And let me lead you through the power of the Holy Spirit that I will indwell within you. Folks, that's where it starts. Truthfully, it doesn't start by, by us saying, hey, uh, enough folly. I, I'm going to get on a self-improvement plan and, and I'm going to look at some self-help books and, and, and I'm going to study those things and, and begin to make better choices on my own strength. I've I got to tell you, honestly, that stuff's only going to last for a little while. I mean, maybe about as long as our New Year's resolutions last. It's not going to work over the long haul. The Scripture is saying to us through the writer of Proverbs today that, that if we want to see our life change and we really want to live wisely as we walk through life and we are on this journey of, uh, of, of growing and, and becoming more mature, that it begins by putting our hand in God's hand. It begins by a personal relationship with Him. It begins by allowing Him to indwell us with His Spirit and lead us throughout life. And I want to say to you today that if you are here as one who's never made that decision, if you've never trusted Christ for forgiveness of sin, I encourage you today at the end of this message to take a few moments and pray and ask God to forgive you of your sin. Trust Him for salvation. And then after having put our hand in God's hand and walking with God, the writer of Proverbs said if we, says that if we want to pursue wisdom, we then need to take God's wisdom and apply it to our life. Look at Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 4. Proverbs says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Writer of Proverbs is saying, hey, take God's wisdom and apply it to your life. Now, those of you who have gotten to know me over the last few years, you know that I am a high-octane person, right? I mean, I can be a little intense, maybe more than a little and I got to tell you that over my life and over the course of my life, whenever I've made mistakes, I didn't make just little mistakes. I made mistakes with a lot of velocity, okay? And I got to tell you, I wish that early on in my life and ministry, I'd had someone point out to me that, that it would be good to read portions of Proverbs on a daily or regular basis so that I could grow in wisdom. I, it would have kept me from a lot of mistakes that I've made as a result of uh, impulse control and the lack thereof. And, and you know, what happened was, it was great, a great gift for me was that several years ago, about 20 years ago now, I had interaction with a, an older pastor friend of mine who lives in Marquette, Michigan, and his name is Chuck Tooman, and, and he is truly a man of God. And, and years ago, he shared with me how what he does is he reads a chapter of Proverbs a day. The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters, and so he reads one a day. He reads the book of Proverbs through uh, in its entirety each month. He reads Proverbs 12 times a year. Now, I admit I don't read a chapter of Proverbs a day, but I try to read some of this book on a regular basis. And God, I got to tell you, along with some good biblical counseling, has used this stuff in my life to help me with impulse control. 
And, and I know I have strides to make. I, I know I'm not perfect. I haven't fully arrived. In fact, if you were here the other night in the office about 11.58 when the alarm was about to be set on church and I needed to get out of here and I lost my stuff on the computer, (laughs) you would have found I'm not always great at impulse control. I make mistakes. And so do you. We all do. But God is saying to us today through the writer of Proverbs that if you and I want to grow in our lives, we've got to ask ourselves, where am I folly prone these days? Where do I lose my temper easily? Where do I cut corners and shave the edges at work? Where are those relational difficulties with people in my life? Am I making some unwise choices in how I'm living areas of my life? Where am I folly prone? And then take the scriptures and put them on a three-by-five card or on a little business card. And take them home and put them in your pocket or put them on your mirror or put them on the dashboard of your car or on your desk at work and cling to the path of wisdom like a drowning person clings to a life jacket in a raging sea after a shipwreck. And when you do, see if God doesn't ultimately honor you as you take this path of wisdom. Because if you do that, I will bet everything I've got that when this life is over, not a single one of us would say we regretted taking God's path of wisdom from this book. I know we're over time and I beg your indulgence as I share with you one last point from the book of Proverbs about how to pursue wisdom because the writer of Proverbs says it's important not only to have a relationship with God, And it's important to not only uh, apply God's word to our life, but it is also important, the writer of Proverbs says, to hang out with wise people. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, and whoever walks with fools will suffer harm. And what this is saying is that if you and I walk through life and all we ever do is walk with people who take the foolish path, that foolishness is eventually going to seep into your life and mine and life isn't going to happen the way we want it to happen. Now understand, I'm not saying here that that we shouldn't be part of the lives of non-believers. You all know and you've heard me preach on what it means to be a witness to the world around us. And, And if we're going to be a witness to people, we've got to be rubbing shoulders with people in our world who do not know Christ and who do foolish things. But what this is saying is that if you and I are hanging around all the time with people who are unwise in those very same areas that you and I struggle with, we're going to be in trouble. A while ago, I heard someone say something that really struck, struck me kind of as funny, but true. He said, very few of us can run with a bad set of dogs and not get fleas. It's true. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good morals. A number of years ago, I was doing campus ministry and there was a young man in our group that became a Christian, became a believer, and he was coming out of a partying lifestyle and, and he knew it was destructive. He knew he drank too much. He knew that it was damaging to his future and he was trying to stop and And I remember one day he told me where he was going to go for the weekend and who he was going to go with. And I said to him, no way, you're dead meat, man. You're going to be hung over for two days when you come back. You can't be in that environment with your weakness and not get stung. 
You know what he said? I think I'm strong enough. Anyone want to take a vote on how that one turned out? Folks, you and I get in the wrong environment with people who are doing what we struggle with. Are you strong enough? I know I'm not strong enough. Those of you that have been around here a while know that some 30 years ago, I really struggled with the issue of pornography in my life. I got to tell you, I don't go into places anymore that have that stuff. And when I'm in places where that stuff is laying around, I get out of there as fast as I can. Can't be around it. And that's why the writer of Proverbs says, whoever walks with the wise will become wise and whoever walks with fools will suffer harm. You and I want to be wise, the writer of Proverbs says, make a very strategic decision to hang around with a lot more people who are walking on the path of wisdom and hang around a lot less with those who are struggling with stuff you're struggling with. Yeah, you may walk with them and you want to be a witness to them, but don't walk with them so much that it influences your life down that same path. Well, here we are today at the beginning of a 13-week adventure. A wisdom adventure. And I pray that you and I, all of us here today, will enroll in this school of wisdom and sign up for this series. And I pray that this series will mark a time in your life and mine when we become more and more wise. And where we turn from the folly of this world and living life the world's way and pursuing God's wisdom. Because as God says, it's greater and better than all the gold in the world. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, right now there are some people who are on the brink and they're saying enough folly in my life. I'm tired of experiencing the consequences. The way I'm living my life is not working. God, if there are some here this morning who are saying that and they've never asked You for forgiveness of their sin and trusted You for forgiveness, may they in their spirit even now extend their hand to You. As You have extended Yours to them through Jesus who's offering them forgiveness of sin, and the power and strength and wisdom for a new way of life. Lord, in the silence of these next moments, I pray that they would ask You for that forgiveness to come into their life as they trust You for faith and for salvation and forgiveness. Would You hear their prayer in the quietness of this next moment? Jesus, for those who just prayed this prayer for the very first time, may this be a day of which they will say it was the wisest decision I ever made to walk with God into my future starting today. God, would you make it so in the lives of those who took that first step of faith? 
And then, Lord, may they and all the rest of us take our Bibles in these coming weeks and read Proverbs, lifting out of those passages what can be applied to the folly-prone areas of our life so that we can let your word shape us. And Lord, help us to be wise about who we hang with so that we can be helped to live the life you call us to live. And so as we spend time with people who do not follow you, they will see our life and be attracted to a life-changing relationship with you. Finally, Lord, we ask that you would make this series a memorable one in our lives and in the life of this church family. Everyone in agreement said together, Amen. Amen. Let us go to pursue wisdom. Let us go to come back expectantly next week for what God has for us.